all that being said, did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? <laughs> good, good. Nobody had a horrible one, I hope. And uh, I'm very excited to be with you guys for the second week in a row. It truly is an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, bring the word to you guys. Uh, I'm glad that it seems nobody had a bad Thanksgiving. I'm especially glad that nobody had an America's Funniest Home Video kind of Thanksgiving. Let me show you what I'm talking about. All right, so did uh, I can honestly say that I've never had any of those horrible experiences at a Thanksgiving I've attended, and most of those clips were just sad, more so than they were, like, funny to me. I mean, because there's a couple cute ones, but I was just thinking, like, man, if that happened to my Thanksgiving dinner, like, all down the drain, on the floor, I'd be, I'd be very upset. So I'm glad that none of you guys had an a Thanksgiving like that. Now, my Thanksgiving, I wouldn't call it a horror story per se, but uh, it was definitely a, a rougher Thanksgiving than normal because I actually got sick. So I had my first ever migraine Thanksgiving day. I went over, it hit me right when I went over to Sabrina's uncle's house. It, my head had been hurting. I'd already taken medicine, and then bam, I was like, I waited like an hour, and then I took some of her sister's migraine medicine. Thankfully, that helped. But then my troubles were not over because then I got home, took my temperature because I'd been feeling really cold, and but I, it was normal. And then like an hour later, I took it and I was up to 101 point like six, and so I was burning up. And when I get a fever, I get the chills. So I'm like, my body was physically hot, but I was like cold, like shivering, and so it was it was a mess. And then. Uh, felt nauseous, not from the food, you know, so, but thankfully the next morning my fever was gone, but I still have this like sore throat, you know, it's turning into like a cold gig, so uh, that's why I sound a little more nasally than normal, so bear with me as I'm uh, <laughs> preaching tonight, guys. But all in all, I mean, it was a good Thanksgiving, I'm here, I survived, and the devil's not going to stop the message that the Lord wants to give to you guys tonight. So, we are continuing what I started last week, Anorexic Christians, we're doing part two tonight as promised. So let's do a little quick recap of what we talked about last week so we're all on the same page and then we can move on with what we got. So the definition of anorexic Christianity or Christian anorexia, let's start back there. I put it on your handouts again. I know that it was on there last week, but it's a lack or loss of appetite for food as a medical condition. And secondly, an emotional disorder characterized by an obsessive desire to lose weight by refusing to eat. And so this is what anorexia is in the natural realm, in the natural world. And so we established also last week that the word of God is spiritual food. And so kind of putting these two things together, we said that spiritual anorexia or an anorexic Christian is when we are not eating the word of God on a daily basis, not, not feeding our spirit the proper amount of spiritual food that we need. And so then we talked about three reasons why it is so important to eat of the word daily. And we said that the first reason why it's so important is it teaches us to learn to use wisdom instead of consequences. So rather than you having to go and make the mistakes yourself, you can just read in the Word of God, see both the good examples, what people did right, and the bad examples, what they did wrong, and you can learn from that and apply it in your own life so that you don't have to go through it yourself. The second reason we said it was so important to eat the word daily is because it helps you to know what you believe, all right, so that I don't deceive you, so that your teachers don't deceive you, your professors in college, so that nobody 
um, hopefully is able to deceive you. And then third, we said that it fuels your relationship with God. And then, so all that sounded familiar to you guys? Guys with me? And then we ended by showing you this picture and asking you the question, does your spiritual life look like this? And so last week was kind of a reality check or a wake-up call for many of you because the answer to this question was yes, that this is what your spiritual life looks like, that yes, you are an anorexic Christian, and you definitely weren't alone because there were many in here that were in the same boat. And I kind of actually left you guys a little bit hanging last week because this is where I ended it, but I promised you, if you came back, which you all did, yay, go you, that I was going to pick up right where I left off and give you the how-to, the practical side of it for um, how to prevent anorexic Christianity. And so that's where we're going to go tonight. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive right in. So Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for your grace, um, that you're already healing me. I pray that you just open up hearts to receive this word, that you would speak through me, that it would not be my words, but yours. And that you would just uh, move in this place, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, the first way to prevent anorexia Christianity we're going to talk about tonight is have a set time and place. There it is. Have a set time and place. Now, I know that, I'm sure that there are some of you, many of you in here that are kind of free spirits. You know, you like spontaneity. You like to kind of you know, do your own thing. And that's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm marrying a free spirit. That's awesome. But when it comes to reading the word, I highly encourage everybody, including the free spirits, to um, have consistency and structure when it comes to their time in the word. And the reason for this is because there's so much spiritual warfare regarding reading your word. How many of you guys think that the devil wants you to read your word? Nobody? Nobody? No, no, you're right. It was wrong. Yeah, the devil does not want you in the word. That is like the, one of the last things that he wants you to do, right next to witnessing to other people. I mean, he's just, that's not on his top list of things he wants you to do today, Devontae. <laughs> so, um, and so because of that, Pastor John's actually doing a sermon series right now, Angels and Demons. He's finishing up this weekend, and it's been a phenomenal sermon series. And last week, he was talking about demons, and he made this point that the demons' top two strategies— that they use against us is to either attract us to something or to distract us from something. And he actually specifically mentioned that the word of God is one of those areas that the demons try to distract us because they want to, because again, they don't want us to be in the word. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything that distracts you, you know, when you're in the word is demonically inspired. I'm not saying if your mom comes in while you're reading the word, you know, don't tell her, get behind me, Satan. That's not, that's not what you need to do. Okay, but just saying that um, a lot of times, if we look at it, distractions when you're reading, when you're trying to be in the Word, that can be from the enemy. And so because of that, though, if you have structure and consistency, you have a set time and place, and you develop the habit, then it's actually going to become normal or natural for you. And if you're not doing it at your normal time and your normal place, it's going to feel weird. And so it'll be hard for you actually not to do it once you get the habit established. Y'all tracking? And so now to the specific of when and where you do it, that is entirely up to you. But I will say this, whatever you, whenever and wherever you decide to do it, make sure it is when you are at your best. 
So if you're a morning person, do it in the morning. Do it before you go to school or whatever. If you're a night person, do it right when you get home or do it uh, right before you go to bed. Whatever works for you. Now, I know that in my life, what my, my preference is to read in the morning, but that right now I'm coming to work early so I can get my prayer time in, and so I don't really have the time to read in the morning, so I'm reading in the evening right now. So my routine is I come home from work, make dinner, you know, clean up, and then the first thing that I do is I read the Word, because I'm not really a morning or a night person. I'm kind of somewhere in between, so that works for me. And so Sabrina's family, they actually had a rule when she was growing up that I think is great, it, which was she was not allowed to have any media until she'd been in her word. Now, I realize that for those of you who aren't morning people, so you're going to go to school, you're going to be on the bus, you're going to be listening to your music, you're going to get on social media and study hall and stuff like that. So, but this rule can still work for you if you say, okay, once I get home, no media until I've read my word. So, because you can still do all that, you know, listen to your music and stuff like that on the bus. But then when you get home, you say, until I've read my word, you can take a nap, you can have a snack, you can do whatever else your routine is, but not, no media until I've read my word. Now, just to kind of gross you all out and wake you up since you all are kind of, you know, settling in. Um, Pastor John said this many times from the pulpit. This is something that he does and has done for decades and it's worked for him. So maybe it'll work for you. His set time and place is the bathroom. That's where he goes to the throne on the throne. So in case, you know, hey, it's worked for him, and so he's doing awesome. So for any of you guys, that works for you. He just keeps his Bible in the bathroom at all times. That's where he goes, and then when he's in there, that's what he does. So there you go. <laughs> and um, also another tip on this whole thing, when you start your time in the Word, I encourage you guys to start it with prayer. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Ask Him to come and to speak to you in that moment. And I know that sounds probably pretty simple. You're like, duh, Tony, I get that. But it's something that I didn't used to do, and then when I did start doing it, I did see a difference. And when you do that, you're, you're realizing that it's not just a monologue. It's not just God speaking to you. It's actually a dialogue where, because you, you're talking to the author of the book, the Holy Spirit wrote it, and so you don't, I don't get this, what's going on? You can talk to him, and he can respond, and when you do it, I promise you, he'll speak to you. Amen? Yeah. All right, second tip, or second way to prevent anorexic Christianity, pick a plan and translation that work for you. All right, so now it was kind of funny. Sabrina and I both grew up in King James Version households. Our dads, my dad's here, love the King James Version. Um, how many of you guys were raised in King James Version households? See, again, this was not a lot. This was not a lot at all. Um, so I'll just completely just skip over that point since it no longer even applies. I thought it was more than just me. So, um, but... Anyway, first we're going to start off with the plan. So there's, there's a ton of different plans that you guys can choose from. So the, um, the, but the most popular, probably top two, is the one-year Bible and the one-year challenge. Now, the one-year challenge we've promoted a lot here at Liberty Church, and it's basically where you read through the New Testament only, Matthew through Revelation, you go straight through one chapter every single day. Now, ultimately, 
Again, you pick whatever chapter or whatever plan works for you. But I highly recommend if this is a habit you are just starting to do the one-year challenge. And there's a couple reasons for that. First of all is that in the one-year Bible, you're going to read about three to four chapters every single day. Whereas in the one-year cha- one challenge, you're just reading one chapter a day. So that's a lot more reading. And then secondly, the one-year Bible goes through the Old Testament, which the Old Testament is great. I love it. There's a lot of rich stories in there, a lot of dude stories too. But the problem is that there are boring and kind of dry parts of the Old Testament. So if you guys get like bogged down in Leviticus and you just like want to claw your eyes out and like, I can't take it anymore, then, you know, that kind of derails a lot of people. And so I don't want you guys to, you know, fall into that trap, you know, and just quit because, you know, oh, it's so boring. So if you just do the New Testament to start you off, eventually you'll get to the Old Testament too. And there's a lot of rich stuff in there. And uh, secondly, so where I was saying, with the translation, pick a translation you can easily understand. And there's a ton, a ton of translations out there. The NIV, the New International Version, and the English Standard Version are both fantastic translations that are easy to understand, but they're very faithful overall to the original language. And then, of course, the Uversion app. How many of you guys have the Uversion app on your phones? Okay, wow, not as many of you as I thought. So, but, yeah, that's fantastic. Those of you who haven't know it, you have all the different translations right at your fingertip. You guys can access it. You even different languages, if you know a different language, there you go. They got those, too. So, all right, third way to prevent anorexic Christianity is use SOAP. How many of you guys have heard of SOAP, the acronym uh, for Bible reading plan? Yeah, most of you guys have. We have done this on a very consistent basis for the last um, past several times at Marvel and camp. So most of you guys have probably experienced it for the first time there. And, and SOAP is basically just a guide to help you journal and make sense of what you read in the Word. And the acronym stands for Scripture, Observation, Apple, oh, Back, Back, application and prayer and it has a double meaning because um, just as we've established that the word of God is spiritual food in the same way the word of God also acts to cleanse our spirits from the junk that the world tries to attach to us and so that's kind of the play on words going on there and so uh, how many of you guys so most of you raised your hand that you do it how, um, that you've done it before you've heard of it how raise your hand if you actually do soap on a regular basis. Oh, perfect. All right, so great. I'm going to walk you guys through it. And so because I don't normally get the chance to do this at Marvel or camp and that sort of thing, so kind of break it down step by step. So first step is obviously you're reading your chapter, and then you're going to pick one thing that stood out to you. Now, there may have been several different things that kind of caught your attention as you were reading through your chapter, but just pick one. That, the Holy, that you feel the Holy Spirit is highlighting the most. And then you will write the scripture out, and uh, here's an example out of a, a book. And so they wrote the reference, Matthew 10, 27, and they wrote the scripture verse all the way out. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And so that's what you do, step one. Then you move on to observation, where this is basically just what, ca- what caught your attention about the verse? Why did you pick this verse? What's standing out to you? How does this verse relate to the, other, um, ver- the rest of the chapter? And so reading what he wrote, the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, am I listening? 
oh, God can thunder if he so chooses, but I think he'd rather whisper. That way my heart has to incline toward him. He speaks in the darkness and whispers in my ear. If I'm not listening to him in the darkness, what will I speak when I get into the light? If I'm not hearing him whisper in my ear, what will I have to proclaim on the housetops? So I, this is written by, you know, a pastor, so this is, you know, deep and theological. Yours doesn't have to be like that. Mine's not like that. I didn't put that out there because, you know, uh, so this is just a good example. And so what, what's the, let's hone in on the main point. He's, he's focusing in on whispered in your ear. So he's focusing on the fact that God doesn't always thunder when he speaks to us, does he? I mean, we know this from experience that at t- most of the time when God speaks to us, it's the still small voice. It's that whisper. And so he's picking up on that out of the verse, and then writing his thoughts and his observations about that. So then we move on to application. And this is the most important step in the entire process. And this is why I am such a big fan of the soap journaling method. James 1.22 tells us, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So, You guys know Judas Iscariot, um, right, from the Bible. He was one of the 12 disciples, and he ended up being the one that betrayed Jesus to be crucified to the Jewish leaders. Now, Judas, he was um, one of the 12, like we just said, and so he had greater access to Jesus and his teachings than anybody else outside of the 12. And yet, he not only fell away, but he actually betrayed his Lord. And what James tells us right here, that's why I believe that happened. You see, he knew the word. He had access to the word. He heard the word, but he did not apply the word in his life. And the same can be said of us as a generation. We have greater access to the word of God than any other generation. We have live teachings, we have podcasts, we have, you know, MP3s, we have the Version app we just talked about, Bible Gateway. So we have access to the word like none, no one else. But the question is not, do we hear it, but are we applying it? And so, and then let's look at the example that we have for application that he wrote. What a great word. I'm duly reminded today not only to talk to God in prayer, it is equally important for me to hear him in prayer. He is constantly giving me words of instruction for my marriage, ministry, and future. I cannot afford not to incline my ear to him and listen for his whispers. So the application that he got out of that, simply put, was that in his prayer time that day, he needed to spend a little bit more time listening to what God was saying rather than talking God's ear off. And both are good, but you know, listening was his application for that day. And then we go to prayer. And I always just end my prayer pretty much the same way, asking that God will give me grace and strength to remember what I read, what I journaled, and to actually live out the application that I wrote down. And so his example, dear Jesus, help me to hear you today. I want to be still so that I may hear your marching orders for my day, my week, my life. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so I'm going to be honest with you guys. The whole concept of journaling, I hated it. I hated the thought of it um, and was not a big fan of it until I discovered the SOAP method. And then I actually came to like it because this method is really just so simple. Look, if you're just in your Word one chapter, that's great. But journaling here, 
I found it so helpful for me because it ensures that daily I hear from God. And so, and, and that's something that young people and just people in general have a hard time with, you know, that I have trouble hearing with God. Well, I can promise you, if you do this method, you do the soap journaling, you will hear from God every day, and you'll have it right there in front of you, how you can see it and show it. Amen? You guys ready to bring this thing to a close? All right, let's talk about the fourth and final way to prevent anorexic Christianity. Keep going. So this is a new habit and uh, that many of you guys are going to be forming, so you're not going to be perfect at it. And that's completely okay because I got news. Nobody's perfect at anything. Definitely not when it comes to spiritual disciplines and reading the Word. So you're going to miss a taste, and that's okay. But what I, find, I found in myself, and I think many of you can probably relate to this, is that when we miss a day, our tendency is to get discouraged. And so, you know, and it can become its own vicious cycle if we allow it, where, oh, well, I didn't read the word yesterday, so I guess it's not that big of a deal if I don't get to it today. And the next thing you know, it's been a week and you haven't got to it, and then you feel just so buried and behind that you're like, what's the point of even trying to get back into it? Let me encourage you guys, don't let the devil win by getting you to quit, okay? Just pick up where you left off and keep going. If you miss the day, then just start the next day. If you get really behind, you miss a week, it's okay. Don't try and read seven chapters and make up for, you know, the whole week you missed. It's okay. God's cool. God's got grace. You just pick up right where you left off, one chapter the next day. And so remember the whole food argument. You know, if we put this in the context of food, if you miss breakfast and lunch, you know, are you going to say, well, I miss breakfast and lunch, so I guess there's no point in eating dinner. I'm just not even going to worry about it. If you, miss a, if you don't eat one whole day, are you going to be like, man, I forgot to eat all three meals today. I just, what's even the point of trying? I'm not going to eat ever again. Just forget it. <laughs> We're not going to do that, right? No, because we need to keep eating to survive. In the same way, you need to eat of the word in order to survive. You need to be determined that you are not going to let the devil kill your spiritual life, because that's what he wants. Just like this iguana is determined not to be the snake's lunch. The message of that clip is keep going. Even when it looked like he was all wrapped up, it looks like his life was about to be done. He, he was determined, I ain't being lunch today, and I'm going to keep going. So in the same way for you guys, you miss a day, you miss a week, you miss more than that. Don't let the devil get you to quit. Just keep going.